everyone, and welcome back to our PMA Toronto podcast, which seeks to highlight and profile various people and issues within our restructuring community. This episode continues our season-long series, My Craziest File Experience, that aims to profile files that have stuck in the minds of our most seasoned professionals as being particularly crazy, interesting, and challenging. My name is Sven Dedek, and I'm a senior manager in our restructuring and turnaround group at KPMG and also an executive committee member of our TMA NextGen chapter. This episode is a conversation with my colleague, Catherine Forbes, who's a partner in our restructuring turnaround group at KPMG. We'll be discussing our craziest file experience that aims to answer the question, how does a $2 billion company suddenly find itself with zero liquidity, all in a matter of days? And why the dismissal of a former CEO gone rogue led to 13 months of waging war with a sudden competitor and sifting through expenses of various Tokyo nighttime establishments. We'll also get a firsthand account of a particularly nightmare start to an engagement file that Catherine shares with us, and that involves a missed flight and more importantly, a ruined birthday. I'm very excited to be able to sit down with my colleague to discuss this, so let's get started. Hey, Catherine, thanks for joining me today. Hi, Sven. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Of course, of course. So. I'd like to begin by you setting the stage for us a little bit in terms of what the situation was with this particular company and really highlighting how a company, particularly of this size, was able to have a liquidity crisis this drastic. Sure. So as you said, it was a $2 billion company, uh, privately uh, private equity owned, in the business of supplying the wireless and mobile telecom industry in the U.S., At the time, the sector was evolving rather quickly and the company's position within it was changing, so they'd been experiencing revenue declines. And before we came on the scene, the board and the CEO hadn't been able to agree on the new strategic direction of the company to respond to this changing environment, and so ultimately the board had decided to replace the CEO. But what necessitated the call from the equity sponsor to us ultimately was Uh, what was happening in the wake of the CEO's departure. So this was recently after the CEO became aware of their termination and the parting of ways. And what happened quite precipitously was that the company found itself in crisis on two fronts, liquidity and also business continuity more broadly. The board had just become aware that the company had looming payables with insufficient cash coming in to cover them and that it was dangerously close to the $200 million limit on its revolver. And to make matters worse at the time, the former CEO had begun recruiting the company's sales force to a new company that they were forming under their leadership. So in effect, the board, through all of its prior reporting, is completely unaware of any looming liquidity crisis. You have the dismissal of the CEO on what are pretty natural grounds, but immediately thereafter, we see this suddenly deteriorating balance sheet. There's an excess of inventory levels. You know, the the first question that comes to mind is, what's the catch here? I think that the board had been misled by the messaging of the CEO to a point about what the results actually meant. The CEO had a heavy hand in the business, such that it was basically an autocracy where they were making all of the financial decisions in addition to the strategic decisions on the company in order to keep up the illusion that all was well and to ensure that they could continue to run their lifestyle through the business. And it wasn't quite known until later that the other functions of executive management were being overridden as well. So while sales were declining, the CEO had been continuing to make large inventory purchases in order to maximize cash inflows from getting volume rebates from vendors. 
and also bolstering collateral to increase borrowing base for the revolver. But as the business was contracting, these purchases were becoming more and more speculative. We all know eventually you have to pay for inventory. So this was hitting a crux right around the time of their departure where accounts receivable collections were slowly declining from declining sales and, and they ultimately weren't enough to cover the payables that were coming due. And this had persisted for a while because of the CEO's authority in the organization and uh, their ability to override the CFO. Yeah, no, it, it's interesting you mentioned that. This part of the story, as you kind of mentioned to me beforehand, was was the part I found most interesting, which is, you know, as financial advisors, we deal with, let's call it two types of fraud. One is the, you know, red flashing, the flashing red signals of fraud, the ones that are quite easy to see. But more often you run across this kind of soft fraud uh, where the decisions are being manipulated by a rogue actor, in this case, a CEO or CFO, typically that's more or less doing it for the purposes of propping up what's an otherwise failing business. So these instances are usually much harder to spot, but at least in our case, uh, being a financial advisor over the course of engagement, it's, it's, it's one of the more satisfying parts of the job to be able to uncover this. I think that's right. I think that the outcomes are quite satisfying and perhaps the process isn't always, but um, this wasn't a blatant issue of fraud, of theft rather, but the type of fraud was more that the activities undertaken weren't in the best interests of the company at a certain point and that the intent that was there was less than straightforward. And so in this particular case, when you look back, you can say there was a large degree of fraud risk when you have declining financial performance combined with you know, a growing inventory balance, uh, both relatively and on an absolute basis uh, as those bulk purchases continued. Uh, and an environment where one person intimidates others and overrides all decisions. Right. No, that that that's exactly the point. And you know, at this time, as you mentioned, you know, the house of cards has completely fallen. It wasn't really enough that there was simply a liquidity crisis. You and your team were actually in charge of helping the resolve. You know, a few weeks into your engagement, you discover this wasn't the last you would hear from the CEO or the former CEO. Right. So unsurprisingly, there were some hurt egos in this story. And when the CEO was dismissed, their departure was on very bad terms. Um, that the CEO had tried to hire some of the sales force ended up only being the beginning of their attempt to dismantle the company that had terminated them and stand one up in its place. So early on, new information was popping up basically daily, which included that they were continuing to hire or at least attempt to hire ultimately a third of the total employee base. Uh, they called customers to tell them that the old company was dead and that they were taking it over. Uh, they rented space in the same business park and transferred all of the phone lines over to the new address uh, in an attempt to basically end it for the existing company. And the new CEO had come in only about a week or so before the advisors and the management team was finding out about these activities through the company rumor mill and directly from employees who turned down offers of employment from the uh, former CFO, CEO rather. Wow. So in effect, he was trying to create the same company over again on his own. Um, at this time, the board, I believe it launched some litigation against the former CEO for instances of fraudulent behavior. So we mentioned the propped up inventory, we mentioned you know, some other maybe manipulative financial transactions, but there was also a more personal element of fraud, uh, in this case with the CEO. I understand that the mandate 
that occurred through the litigation, part of the mandate was to sift through personal expense accounts of the CEO. Uh, you actually had dedicated staff members whose job was entirely to review these transactions and understand the nature. Is that correct? That's right. And litigation began right away and it continued to evolve in real time, both on past sins, but also in an attempt to um, put a stop to the activities that were ongoing to destroy the, the current business. And I was the modeling person, but another member of our team was the receipts person. And, and we did begin investigating this right away for instances of fraud in multiple places and examining the CEO's expense account, I think as it always does, provided for more and more details of the nature and extent of the activities that were being undertaken and provided an ability to build a timeline about what was taking place and when to establish, you know, both intent, um, but also who knew what and, and when plans began to stand up this competing company. Uh, it's always interesting to see how people ignore the old adage of not using your work email uh, for things that you shouldn't. So uh, beyond that, the, the sheer quantum um, and categories of meals and entertainment became remarkable during this engagement. So, you know, this might be the, the first time where being the receipts person on a file might have been the most interesting part of, of being on the engagement. So I, I do have to ask, and I'm sure our listeners would appreciate, is there a particular expense uh, that you could name or recall that would you know be the most extravagant one you found over the course? Well, there was everything from, you know, a daily average of about $3,000 on uh, restaurants to ski trips and, and other events. But everyone's favorite was when our teammate translated a stack of receipts that were all in Japanese um, and all appeared to be from a certain sports club. Um, and through some light Googling determined that it was one of Tokyo's best strip clubs. Uh, so, so everyone enjoyed discussing the, the receipts over dinner, but the complexity from a litigation perspective was more that the individuals at the company's key customer base were woven into this web of scheming and were guests on these field trips. So there had to be a careful use of the facts to avoid the further detriment to the business um, by bringing key customers into the, any litigation. No, I, I definitely understand why that would present a conflict on its own. You know, I do think we could probably do a whole other podcast that pretty much just lists out some of these expenses, as I'm sure that, that that's quite amusing on its own. But I did want to wrap up the story uh, by getting to hear both what ended up happening to the company in this case, as well as the former CEO. To make a very long story short, they, they ultimately failed at their coup to take over the company, but not for lack of trying. And to be honest, not for lack of you know consideration by certain key players along the way. It probably got more attention than than it should have, and um, litigation persisted as it always does. Um, the business was stabilized sufficiently at a point to run a sales process, and ultimately, when a stocking horse bidder was identified, they the company filed Chapter 11 and sold the business in a 363 sale about uh, 12 months after our first week on site. So I I, I did want to pivot a little and uh, end on this note. I can imagine, you know, through all the circumstances you've described on this engagement, it, it was not a particularly easy file to be a part of the engagement team to maneuver. Uh, and certainly, you know, anytime there's a sudden liquidity crisis, uh, a lot of weight tends to fall on our shoulders. 
from speaking with you beforehand, uh, I understand, you know, in addition to the complexity of the file, there was certainly some unfortunate travel circumstances for the initial meeting uh, that occurred on this file, as well as some unfortunate timing for you personally as a person at that age. So could you describe to our listeners a little bit about that? Sure, I can tell you how it, it kicked off. So it was Thursday evening and I was kind of late that week and coasting into the weekend. This is over 10 years ago. So when I got an email from my partner at around 8 p.m. on the Thursday night that said $2 billion crisis flying tomorrow at 7 a.m., I think I responded, haha, good one. Um, well, but I, I think we can all relate to a situation where you know, a partner may be exaggerating the urgency and size of a potential engagement. So, but yeah, yeah, I think I called that one wrong. Um, <laughs> so, so we did have some calls from about 10 to 12 uh, that night, and and after you know packing and setting the alarm for uh, the 7 a.m. flight, I woke up in a start at 6:30 in the morning and was never going to make that flight. So that was a great start. I think it was my birthday. I was under 30, so wow. this still mattered more uh, at the time. And I'm scrambling to try to get to the airport and, and trying to, you know, people look at my birth date and realize it's my birthday and I'm trying to elicit sympathy to get on the next flight. So I end up getting to the uh, company site about two hours later than everyone else, which when you're the second most junior person on the file isn't great. Uh, and then we kind of continued on like that for, for about a year, but that's how it all started. Wow. Well, Catherine, that was, that was a lot of interesting detail. Um, I'm glad you got to share some of the kind of personal circumstances as well. I, I think those tend to get glossed over uh, with regards to crazy files. And once again, I just really want to thank you for coming on, sharing. Um, I do think in our industry, especially, we can take for granted some of the typical falls from grace that we see uh, with companies and individuals uh, that are involved in our industry. And, and this story certainly falls into that category. So, you know, once again, I just want to thank you for your time. Thanks for having me.